Hi, thanks so much for joining Neartown Church for Worship Online. I'm Jake Porter, one of the mission partners at Neartown, and I am so excited to share with you this morning from God's Word. Our current sermon series is called Propel. Each Sunday, we are telling the story of people from the Bible whose courageous steps propelled them to live a meaningful life. Each person's story and place in history is different, but the reality they share is that God shows up in a way that changes their trajectory in life, sending them out on a great mission and using them for His great purpose. Today, I want to speak especially to those who look around them and determine that, based on their circumstances, God couldn't call them for His purpose. Perhaps economic struggles of these challenging times have gotten you down, or maybe you've deeply felt the turmoil of the division in our nation. Whatever it is, if you feel stuck, like you've dug a pit for yourself or been cast down into one by another, this story is for you. I want to share uh, with you a story this morning that requires a little bit of context first. The Israelites, the people of God, had become a very oppressed people. Their enemies had driven them out of the more fertile lands, and they'd found themselves hiding in the mountains and fearing for their lives. Hungry, they were fighting a war that was constantly waged against them. Their crops destroyed, they had a shortage of food. So here were the Israelites, supposedly God's people, hungry and hiding in caves. They suffered from starvation and settled and suffered. Their lives were full of chaos, confusion, and fear. Do these words represent your life as well? Perhaps you're going through a season of loss, a season of threat, or a time of trial. Is there uncertainty in your life? Well, such was the situation of the man we're following today, Gideon. We meet him in the Bible in Judges chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me and we'll start in verse 11. And let's follow along in Gideon's story. It says first, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the oak tree at Orphra, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, had been threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Picture this, okay? Gideon is threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press in a hole, a pit. That's not how wheat threshing is supposed to work. Normally, wheat threshing would take place out in the open where there's a breeze. The raw wheat would be crushed and then thrown into the air so that the good part of the grain would fall back down into a net and the bad parts would be carried off by the wind. But here's Gideon down in this hole in this wine press, dusty and musty and probably not really accomplishing much of anything, attempting to thresh wheat. But he thought he had to do it this way for fear of his enemies. He was afraid. He could not go about things in a normal way because the enemies of God's people, the Midianites, would come and see him and kill him and take the food that he and his people so desperately needed to survive. So he's down in a hole. He's hiding, accomplishing very little, exercising futility. We do this too, don't we? Have you ever fallen down into a hole like your life was so far from what it ought to be that you can't imagine emerging from the pit? Like your work is futile, you try and try and get nothing done? This is a place of chaos, confusion, and internal conflict. And then suddenly a voice interrupts Gideon's life. Verse 12, 
the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. It's an interesting greeting to a man hiding in a hole, carrying out a task made largely futile because of fear. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Not the greeting you'd expect uh, to a guy cowering, but that's exactly what happens because God sees us at our worst and calls us to be our best in him. That's the first big truth I want you to hear this morning. God sees us at our worst and calls us to be our best in him. Well, Gideon responds in the next verse, verse 13. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. You see, it just didn't make sense to Gideon. It didn't add up in his mind. Mighty? The Lord is with him? How could that be? They'd been driven from their homes, left starving, living in terror. Fear had become a basic motivation. How could they ever believe that the Lord was with them in this circumstance. I found myself there. Have you? You look around and you think, I'm so far off the path. There's no way God is with me. Or if you're listening to my voice at this moment and identifying with these thoughts or that frame of mind, let me just say, I'm excited for you. Why? Because that is exactly the moment when God is ready to show up. He sees us at our worst and calls us to be our best in him. God sees you, and God delights to make an appearance when we most feel abandoned by him. God has a way of shocking us out of our slumber and calling us into a reality that, from our present vantage point, could exist only by the power of his word. And that's exactly what he does with Gideon. Look with me now at verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. What would you say had you been down in that wine press, down in that pit? How would you respond if your immediate circumstances and behavior seemed entirely contrary to what God was calling you to do? Well, Gideon resisted. He just couldn't see in himself what God was seeing. He couldn't see in his situation how this mission from God was doable, so he resisted. In verse 15, we read, And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's household. Gideon basically responds with all the self-doubt he can muster. He tells God that he's the weakest, worst, most unreliable, and unqualified person God could possibly tap for the job. Do you ever feel that way? You look around, you see the pit you're in, everything around you points to defeat, to hopelessness, to helplessness. You think you've got nothing to give, nothing to offer. Well, God has an answer to those self-doubts. Look at verse 16. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as if fighting against one man. Here's the second big truth I want you to hear today. God equips those he calls. 
God doesn't find those who are most qualified, most ready apart from him. The reality is no one is able to carry out God's purpose apart from God's help. You might think, there's no way God could use me. There's no way God would call me to be on mission for him. I'm so ill-equipped. Gideon thought this, but God said no. And God says no to us when we think like that. God says that if God is with you, if God has called you, that is enough. No matter how mighty the enemy is, God is stronger still. God takes men in pits and makes them princes. He takes women in fear and causes them to be ferocious for his cause. Maybe even in this moment, you're hearing my words and doubting. That's okay. Gideon did too. Look at verse 17. And Gideon said to the Lord, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon decides to kind of test the Lord in a way. He basically sets out an offering of a meal, but he sets it out uncooked. And miraculously, the Lord uh, both cooks up the meal and consumes it with a miraculous fire as an offering to him. And so it was just gone. And Gideon responds to this in verse 22. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. This is a response of worshipful fear, of terror even. Gideon realizes he has been in the very presence of God. And how was he showing up? Doubtful, weak in his faith distrusting. There are many times that God has so clearly made himself known, and yet I've still doubted. Haven't you? Fear motivates us to resist, to put off, to turn away. Fear of the unknown we can't see, or even fear of the known that we can see. Fear of not measuring up or falling short. Fear of failure. Yet God responds to us as he does Gideon in verse 23. But the Lord said to him, peace be to you, do not fear, you shall not die. It says, then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. Gideon was a man at war and anticipating defeat. And yet when the Lord made himself known to him, when the Lord declared peace to him, then Gideon, despite all his circumstances, worshiped God as the source of peace. God does the same thing today. He shows up in the lives of busy people and he gives them rest. He interrupts the chaos with his order, fills the void with his fullness, steps into distress to give peace. God calls those in futility and fear to a life of faith and fullness. Now what's next in Gideon's story is a series of interactions with God that serve to build up Gideon's faith step by step. God calls him to tear down an altar to a false god. And even though the crowds want to kill him for it, he lives. And he begins to inspire others around him, followers to fight for the purpose of God, an army of 32,000 people to stand up to their enemy. So this movement was being formed and Gideon was the leader, and yet he still doubted. God answered his doubts, reassuring him with miracle after miracle, reminding him that if 
God is with Gideon. Gideon has all he needs to step into this great purpose, this life of faith and fullness. The day comes when Gideon calls together his 32,000 men to go and fight against the Midianites, the enemies of God's people. So he leads this army to just south of where the Midianites were camped. Gideon's finally stepping up, acting like a brave leader. He's got the Lord's calling on his life, and he's got this massive army. He's ready to go. And then we read in Judges 7-2, The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over that, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Well, that couldn't have felt very good. Gideon just lost more than two-thirds of his army. And it was because God stepped in and said the army was too big. Too big because God knew that if the Israelites fought with that many people on their team, they would take credit for the victory rather than give credit to the Lord. So God sends 22,000 men home because they have some fear. Gideon's probably thinking, well, that stinks, but at least I still have 10,000 troops and God. And then we read this in verse 4. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So God has Gideon take the 10,000 men to a river to watch them drink. And he tells Gideon to separate them according to how they drink the water, whether they lapped it up from their hands or whether they knelt down to drink straight from the river. Well, 300 men lapped it up from their hands and the rest, 9,700, knelt down. Guess which group God had Gideon keep with them? You got it, the 300. So this army of 32,000 has just 300 men left in it. And now God says Gideon is ready to go to battle and set God's people free from their most fierce, powerful enemy. I imagine Gideon would be confused, even frustrated with God. I know I would be. But sometimes God equips us by subtraction. Sometimes what we need to step forward in our journey of faith is less not more. So here's a painful question to pause and ask. What have you lost? What do you feel has been taken away from you that if only you had it, you would think yourself to be more equipped, better able to serve God? Listen, God will take away what we think is good to give us what he knows is best. Perhaps it's a job or a certain level of income. Perhaps you've lost a relationship. Maybe you've lost a certain capacity or ability due to an accident. I'm going to ask you to be open to the possibility that maybe, just maybe, your loss is a part of the Lord's equipping of you for his purpose in your life. I want us to skip to the battle scene. Gideon has gone from fearfully hiding in the bottom of that wine press to standing atop a hill, leading this small group of 300 men into battle against his nation's strongest enemy. He called his men together in the hillsides above the enemy's camp, and he said in Judges 7.15, Arise! 
for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. Gideon says it like it's a done deal. Before the battle had even begun, he declared victory to his men, and his confidence came from the Lord. The Lord has given them into your hands, he said. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. The story continues in verse 19. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, so the middle of the night, when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. And when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army, and the army fled. I love how that scene is played out there in scripture. Gideon is inspired with this crazy plan. No swords, no spears would be used to defeat the Midianites. Trumpets, torches, and cracked pots. They surrounded the Midianites in the hills around their camp, surprised them with a loud noise and battle cries, the sound of smashing pots, and the sudden appearance of hundreds of flames. And in the panic and confusion, elements of the Midianite army turned on itself until they all just ran away. What a victory. It was without a doubt by the hand of God, an obvious miracle, far more obvious than a plain old attack by 32,000 soldiers. 300 men, trumpets, lights, and a broken jars. That's all Gideon needed to step into God's plan for him. And the plan God gave Gideon was really fitting, wasn't it? These cracked pots, clay jars, weak enough to break into pieces, revealing an inner light that filled the darkness. What if that's what God is really looking for? Weakness our weakness, our need, our brokenness? What if God desires our frailty in order to highlight his strength? The God of the Christian faith is exactly that God, a God who brings light out of darkness, power out of weakness, life out of death. And to prove to us that he can do that, God came to this earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and showed us just what he can do with weakness. The Bible says of Jesus that even though he had all the glory and power of God, he set those aside. He set aside his divine rights and took on the form of a servant and humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ looked like defeat, but it was actually a demonstration of God's power and justice and mercy and grace. In love, through that death, Jesus paid the price for our sins, for our weakness, for our need, and then he was raised from the dead to give us new life, new hope, and a new way of being. 
God isn't looking for perfect people to send on his mission. He's looking for the guy in fearful futility down in a pit. He's looking for an earthen vessel, a clay jar in which to place his light. Why? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God stripped down Gideon's army to ensure that everyone knew that the victory belongs to the Lord. And God will strip down you or me for the very same purpose. He wants us to be vessels that allow attention to go where attention is due. And that's not on me, but on Jesus. God loves to use our weakness to show his power. Gideon was sure his circumstances and doubts disqualified him from God's purposes and plans. I felt the same way many times. But in the end, our chips and cracks and imperfections are used by God to allow the light of Jesus to shine through us. The Apostle Paul goes on to say this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you're listening today, and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you've never crossed over that line of faith, let me ask you this. Are you a cracked pot? Do you have some flaws? Can you point to an imperfection in your life, in your record that feels disqualifying? Good, because you're just the kind of man or woman that God calls to himself. He will use you and your weakness to make you strong in him. And it all starts with looking to Jesus who embraced the weakness and futility of a cross to secure for us power and purpose in God. And to you who have trusted in Jesus, I have this challenge for you this week. I want you to think of something in your life that you consider a flaw, a crack in your pot. It could be some uh, inability or a certain fear. Perhaps it's a loss or a grief. Maybe it's even the residual consequences of sin you've committed. I want you to offer that flaw to God as a way his light can shine through your brokenness. Consider how he might use your weakness for his purpose because he absolutely can and will.